Welcome to our Beyond Times Square webinar today, The Top Things to Do in Boston. Your presenter today is the Executive Vice President of Business Development with Beyond Times Square, Eric J. Gordon. Eric, welcome. Live from New York, it's Friday afternoon with Beyond Times Square. Hey everyone, how you doing? I wish I could say live in Boston, but I'm actually, today I'm live in Brooklyn. I actually worked from home today. Um, because then I need to go into the city and get a bus and go to New Jersey for the Passover holiday. And I appreciate you guys being here. I know today is Good Friday and it's the start of Passover and I need to look at my calendar more often to realize these things. But I do appreciate you guys being here. Um, my name is Eric Gordon. I am the Executive Vice President of Beyond Times Square. For those of you who have been on this webinar, you've seen this picture a bunch of times. For those of you who don't know me, I've been involved in tourism for the last 25, 26 years now. Um, starting selling safaris, then moved into New York and other cities in the Northeast. Um, a lot of focus on high-end FIT and groups. And um, I've been myself to almost all 50 states and to about 40-something countries. Um, so I feel that I'm a, a pretty good traveler, know my stuff, know what I'm talking about, know what people like, um, know how to understand what, what people are looking for. So hopefully you'll, you'll get the good information here. Um, before we even get started, though, I just want to throw something in real quick because I always like to tell a little story about stuff. But I actually was just in Spain for work, which was kind of nice, even though the first few days were basically the inside of a hotel and the inside of a conference center. Um, but then I spent a day and a half, two days in Malaga, which is in the southern coast of Spain. And I got to my hotel and my room wasn't ready. And I left my stuff. And I was in a tourist area right near the Picasso Museum. And you know, a lot of restaurants, but, you know, definitely like just tourists, which is, you know, where I was a tourist too, but I'm like, I don't want to eat in this area. So I just started walking and walking for like a good 10, 15 minutes, just into a neighborhood, saw all of these, like, you know, this really cool graffiti and all this stuff. And I see this little tiny lunch place that all it says outside is Plato Uno, Plato Dos. That's it. I go inside. No one speaks English. I'm like, let me just order Plato Uno and see how it goes. And I had like the best meal for like nine euros, nine dollars. It wasn't, I think it was 7.5 euros. And I had croquetas and potato salad and soup and flan. And it, it just goes to show like you just go, you know, 10 minutes off the main track, you know, what you can find, uh, what you can find in a city. So I just, I, I, I told that story to a bunch of friends because for me, that's, that's really what travel is. And we're going to talk about Boston. I'm going to get to that in a second. Some of the cool stuff there. Um, just so you know who Beyond Times Square is, we offer private one-of-a-kind experiences in New York City, D.C., Boston, Philly, and Niagara Falls, and also some uh, programs in the areas around there. We handle both FITs and groups. Um, groups are multi-level, so we do everything from student groups up to corporate incentives. Our FITs tend to stay towards the five-star and higher level, so a lot of private sightseeing, private guide, pre-opening of museums, um, things like that, food programs. So. Um, now, just because they're five-star doesn't mean that everyone can't afford them. You know, a private walking tour is a five-star experience, um, which can be rather affordable and something very special. So, you know, luxury um, luxury has, has, has a wide range. We do stay, like I said, within the five-star, but, you know, walking tours that are private definitely fit into all sorts of different budgets. 
And then the how we do what we do and why we do such a good job is because we discover and force your relationships with top guides, venues, museums, attractions, transportation companies, and everyone else we work with to make sure we're always offering the best. So we're always out there looking for what's good, what we can, what can we do better, how can we take better care of our clients. Um, it's really important to us because we always want to keep pushing the bar. So what do we offer? We're a DMC. We're an on-site. We're a, a, an on-location specialist. Uh, we get called all sorts of different names, all good ones, though. Um, we do airport and city transfers, private guides, attractions, scavenger hunts, private yachts, cooking classes. And you guys know how to read, so I'm not going to go through the whole thing. Um, after this webinar, you will be receiving from us a uh, uh, an email that's going to have an attachment of things I talked about today in the webinar, but it's also going to have attachments of all the different programs we offer. So you'll be able to see what we do in all of our cities, get an idea of, of what's included, what our pricing is, and then um, this will answer a lot of the questions that of, of what we do offer. And of course, you can always reach out to us for more information. Um, another thing just want to touch on is uh, some special things, some things that I would say they're special, things that we do for you guys, the travel advisors. Um, you know, we, we I strongly believe that, you know, a travel advisor is to be knowledgeable and is to make sales. I mean, you guys need to make sales. Um, no one makes any money just talking about a destination unless they close a sale. Um, so we try to make things as easy as possible. Um, all the information we have, pictures on our website, the text, Steal it, copy it, use it, put it in your your own newsletters. I'm not going to sue you. We're not worried about that. So use our information. Um, some companies get very, very tight with their information. We like to share all of our information. Um, all of our programs are commissionable, so you never have to worry about when you're going to price from us if it's net or not. On groups, you have to, we ask you if you want net or commissionable because groups is different, but on the FIT programs, it's always commissionable. Um, we always pay commission within 30 days, so you guys are going to get paid on time. We always itemize our pricing so you know what your clients are paying for. We take credit card online, secure server. We don't charge any fees for that. Um, no, you know, so you don't have any more forms to fill out, but you know, it's like, how can we make things quicker and easier for you um, when you are dealing with your clients? So those are just some things that we, we offer. So we're going to get into Boston. So Boston's a great city. Um, I love going up there. I'm actually planning a trip up there in July for a couple of days because there's some things I want to do. And being that it's a little bit further north, it won't be as hot. Um, you know, Boston's really known a lot for its history, um, especially its American Revolutionary War history. And uh, I think that's one thing that was pushed so much by by even the tourism board that Boston got known for like, oh, it's all about history, it's all about history, it's all about history, but it's also all about other stuff. There's a lot of other things there. So we are going to start talking about some history because I, I do happen to really uh, enjoy history. Uh, Revolutionary War history is pretty great. And, you know, New York City has a lot of Revolutionary War history, but, you know, Boston, uh, Boston really just takes the cake. And one thing that's huge with Boston is the Freedom Trail, which the Freedom Trail is a unique collection of buildings, churches, meeting houses, burial grounds, um, even a ship and historic markers that really tell the story of the American Revolution. Um, the most popular part of that is the south part of the uh, uh, the south part of the Freedom Trail. Most people want to see that, and that's where you get a majority of the buildings and also. Um, the burial grounds and get a lot of the great stories of people who were just regular people. 
um, who who wanted something better out of life. And uh, it, it really blows your mind away when you go and go out and do the Freedom Trail and hear these stories. Um, we do a tour that's led actually by someone in historic dress, especially if there's children. Um, if there's adults, we don't always, uh, but we, we always try to have someone who's in a historic, in historic trust do the programs. Um, and really just, it really just gets into it. It's like 90 minutes. It's not a lot of walking. If someone does need to do it by vehicle, we can and like pair it with something else, but definitely a worthwhile program to do. If you're a bit more into history, then I definitely suggest doing the North and that's where Paul Revere house is and, and the Bunker Hill monument. Um, a bit of walking in that one also, some more hills and whatnot, but definitely worth doing a Freedom Trail for your clients that are coming in. So if they're gonna do anything historic when they're in Boston, this is what I would choose. It was definitely the most important thing to do. Um, and we are talking about the top things. Of course, you guys who have been on my webinars, I kinda, I kinda go off a little bit on different things, but um, when you guys get the notes on this, you'll see the things that we consider like stuff that you have to do when you go to Boston. Okay, another thing you have to do when you go to Boston is baseball and beer. Now, yes, I grew up a Yankee fan, um, not as much of a fan of baseball as much as I used to be. <clears throat> I grew up a Yankee fan. It's very hard for me to talk about going to see the Red Sox, but they are the Red Sox, and, and they have won their share of world championships, and they are a great team. And actually, I'm shocked at the amount of Red Sox fans that live in New York City, um, but you know, we, we do allow them to stay. So going to a game or going to do a private tour of Fenway. Doing a private tour of Fenway is so much better than doing the group tour. You get so much more attention. You get to check out some areas that the main tour won't do. There are certain restrictions for like day of the tours and whatnot. We actually just booked a couple of tours for a few small families. And also going out to see a game, if you sit by the Green Monster, I mean, that's definitely very cool. But just going into Fenway, it's such an historic park. The fans are awesome. Um, so it's like, you know, when people come to New York, I always say that the Yankees are the world's team. I would say probably the next team that's the world's team is the Boston Red Sox. I mean, it, it, it's a lot. Um, and then beer, Sam Adams. We all know Samuel Adams. Well, the brewery is in Boston, along with Harpoon Breweries in Boston. Um, so getting into there... They do have scheduled tour programs. We also can arrange private ones on certain days. Um, Harpoon, we're actually just starting to speak to. We actually have not worked with them, so that's something that we're getting into. But definitely you want to get into the beer scene while you're in uh, Boston. I didn't really go so much into bars in this presentation. Excuse me, but definitely a huge bar scene in in. Um, in Boston, a lot of uh, Massachusetts and the surrounding areas, small breweries, especially Vermont also, so a lot of beer comes out from there. So anyone you know that wants to go for the weekend and maybe they're not interested in history at all and they just want to see a game, get a hotel, see a game, do some brewery tours. I mean, that's, that's the trip I'm kind of would go on and even though I don't, even though I don't like baseball as much, you know, I can always drink more beer at the game. So in and around the water. So, you know, Boston is right on the water. Um, as you all know, I assume, um, I didn't pull a map up. So there's definitely some stuff that you want to do in and around the water and things that are close to the water. So I am going to start though with the duck tour because 
people love the duck tour. Something that's kind of hokey, but they still love it. I'm one of those. It's like, it's kind of hokey, but it's still a lot of fun. And I think it's great for kids. And I think people think of the duck tour. They think of Boston. They do have the duck tour in some other cities. Um, but it's not like the duck tour, the popular duck tour in Boston. Maybe people think of it as like a good value, but you got to do a land tour and a water tour at the same time. Um, it's about 90 minutes, uh, 80, 90 minutes to do the duck tour. You do hit a ton of sites, the drivers, also the guide, and they have other languages like through a headset. If you, I think to give people like an overview of the city, like I wouldn't do a double decker bus tour. I don't really suggest that for our clients, but if they're traveling with kids, you got to hop on the duck tour. I mean, the vehicle goes in the water, so it goes into the Charles River. So I definitely, that's something that I think people should check out. Um, as it's fun. But then after that is the, the aquarium and the whale watching. So I don't know how many people here are familiar with the New England Aquarium. New England Aquarium is by far to me probably one of the best aquariums that I've been to. Um, and it's really because of the giant ocean tank, that four-story mammoth Caribbean type water tank that you literally walk up and around going through the aquarium i mean you really can't beat it i think it's one of the most amazing things they do have behind the scenes where you get to go around with um a docent from the museum you get to hear more about how they run things at the museum they do have um sea lions not not in that tank that's a separate exhibit that you get to feed they have the shark and ray touch tank for kids they have penguins for me, aquariums really are just in, in incredible. Like, because there's one thing about a zoo, you know, when you go to see animals, you could go on a safari and go see animals. You know, you just have to be able to walk or be in a vehicle. But like to go to, to see the stuff that's in an aquarium, like you have to be able to scuba dive. And, and so it's a lot different when it comes to what an aquarium is bringing to you. And I know there's a little picture of a child in there adults should go to this aquarium. It really can blow your mind away. And actually you could spend a day almost going to the aquarium and then going out whale watching. And I did a whale watching trip last time I was there and we were out for about three hours. No one got seasick. It was a nice, easy trip. Um, and we saw, I, I, I can't remember the kinds of whales. So I, you know, forgive me. I know that out there, there are uh, several different kinds. There's humpbacks, there's finbacks, there's, right whales i can't remember which ones we saw like i was blown away and and if i probably still had the pictures on my phone i would have put them up here but it is definitely again you're going up into boston area that's definitely something that i would check out and then this last picture down here you may be thinking like that's a ferry to like martha's vineyard or nantucket or something like that but no those are actually the islands of boston harbor so i, I feel that some people outside of boston they're just not aware of the Boston, the islands of Boston Harbor. So it's, it's, a, it's a national park. It's one of the largest recreational open spaces in Eastern Mass. And you can get from Boston to two of the main islands. And then from those islands, you can get to some of the smaller islands. Now it's made up of 34 islands. So you can't get to all 34 islands, but from Spectacle Island and from George's Island, you can get to all these different islands. And you can hike, you can picnic, they may have music, they may have some type of art exhibit. 
but you can also get really rustic. You know, it doesn't have to be like there's something special going on on one of the islands. So, I mean, just imagine you're coming from a city and you're just taking a boat ride for 20 minutes and now you're on an island in the harbor that is completely separate from from what you just experienced. And I know some of you might have heard me talk about Governor's Island in New York City, but Governor's Island is like right by New York Harbor in the East River. So you're really not hidden from the city as you are with these Boston Harbor Islands. So this is something that, that we actually want to work more on and see what kind of programs we can put together. But like round trip ferries are like 20 bucks. And I just think it's something that people come to Boston and they do the Boston stuff and then they can, you know, they want something special or kind of that other people don't know about. You're like, oh, yeah, I went out to the Boston Harbor Island. So people are like, oh, you went out to, to, to Martha's Vineyard? And it's like, well, that's not really a harbor island. But no, I went out to these other islands. So I think that's definitely something to think about as, uh, you know, something special for people visiting visiting this area. Next, food. As you guys know, I always talk about food. I can't help it. It's my favorite thing. Actually, Passover starts tonight. I made like a five-pound brisket, and I'm trying not to eat all of it before I take it to uh, before I take it to my cousins tonight. Um, and if anyone's celebrating Passover, Easter, you know, enjoy yourself, have a good time with friends and family. Um, food. So, you know, the big things for for me for Boston are seafood and um, and Italian food. Now, of course, they have really other good restaurants. And, and, and the list we're sending over to you has some other restaurants on there that uh, Margot was doing some research on and some, one that, some that we've used. But everyone knows Boston for seafood and everyone knows Boston for Italian. So the North End is really good for Italian. We do actually some good food walking tours up in the North End of Boston where we can do like some good Italian, um, Italian food walking tours, throwing a little bit of seafood in there. But uh, Island Creek Oyster Bar for, oh, sorry, I, I want to read the Italian restaurants first. Um, uh, Davios is a great place, which is a northern Italian steakhouse. Panza, which is a little bit more traditional and small. Um, Trattatoria El Panino is the one that I really like because it's like a long time north end place, but it's, it's uh, kind of old school, but they just, it just, I feel like it has a little bit of modern touch to it, but even though it is really old school. And then Pammy's, which they say they're not Italian at all, but they are Italian, but they're new American Italian. So if you want something a little bit more upscale um, as a restaurant, but still get that Italian food, I would definitely check that out. And then Giacomo's, which I haven't been to, and it's really known for like Italian and Italian seafood. And that's the kind of place where they don't take reservations. The portions of food are gigantic. Um, you know, it's just like a big, it's like eating with like a big Italian family when you go into a place like that. And then, of course, also there's seafood. And I mean, there's le I have to mention legal seafood because legal seafood is a chain that, not that I endorse chains usually, but they do have some good locations in Boston that are, that are worth going to. So I'm just mentioning legal seafood. Um, but then Island Creek Oyster Bar is a good place. Neptune Oyster is kind of like a more old school place. And Atlantic Fish Company is definitely more upscale. But, you know, there's just so many places that you can walk into and kind of like, Think about the story I just told about when I was in Malaga and I walked for like 10, 15 minutes and found La Cabana, you know, this little, little kind of divey joint that just had fantastic food. You know, you can find that in Boston. You can walk on some of the side streets and find like a little oyster place. It doesn't have to be a big name. 
and just, you know, clients need to walk around and, and, and do that. But that's what people like to do. And of course, if you're doing a walking tour at the On Times Square of Boston, we're going to show you different places and tell you about different places that you can go to while you're doing this. Um, and then food trucks. You know, there's plenty of food trucks in New York City. I mean, we talk about food trucks, but like Boston almost takes food trucks to like a different level. And this is going to be in the handout we send. The city of Boston, and I just, I've never saw a city do this before, and maybe I just haven't looked, but the city of Boston actually has a website that gives you maps of where all the food trucks are that day. And then it also has a schedule of where food trucks are each day of the week. So, I mean, you can literally be on this, this, this website. I think it's also an app, but you can be on this website and be in a neighborhood and be like, Let's get some different food truck foods. You know, let's let's check out a few different food trucks. And it's great to go to food trucks and order like one thing for like three, four people and then check out another food truck and check out another food truck. And at the same time, maybe see like your historical sites and that kind of stuff. Because mixing food with historical sites, you know, is just really a great thing to do. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, like there's a bacon truck. There's a Bimini sandwich truck. There's the cookie truck, which I have up there. There's a dumpling truck. There's a hoagie's truck. Hoagies are saw are, are sub submarine sandwiches or heroes for, for those of you that are not aware. Um, but I love the fact that you can kind of like scope out like where the different the different um, locations are that you want to go to. And then they also do that with farmers markets where in New York City, we do that with farmers markets. But like it's not on the city's website. It's on the green market website. But this the city's actually taking responsibility to point out where the, the different farmers markets are. So the Winnicopoly Square is a good farmer's market. But one market that I don't really call a farmer's market is the Boston Public Market. And that is definitely uh, a must-see for people. It actually kind of reminds me, I, I guess I can kind of say it's kind of like a, a, um, a bit like, like a European market. Like it's, 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 it's almost like in a large like hangar-type building. I don't say hangar. A large building, they have fresh stuff that you can buy to take home. They have food that you can eat right there. And like when I was just in Malaga, of course, another story that revolves around food, you know, I went into the fish market and there was fish and there was meat and there was vegetables and there's olives and there's all sorts of stuff. But like in the back, they had like, you know, the, the, the stands um, that served like, you know, the fried anchovies or the grilled calamari or and that kind of stuff, the sea urchin. So that's kind of like what this market reminds me of. So it has like prepared stuff, but it also has a lot of unprepared stuff that you can do. So I definitely would send my clients there um, to do that. I know we also hit it in one of our tours that we do. So that information is also, like I said, is going to come to you when we with that. So from foods to museums, the other thing I usually love about cities is, is I usually get pretty into museums. Um, and again, not to talk so much about Malaga, I'm sorry, but there's a Pompidou in Malaga. So the Pompidou in Paris also has an, uh, an outlet, an extension in, in Malaga. And uh, it's right on the water. Uh, blew me away. Just completely blew me away. I could have spent another hour in the place. It's not huge, but it really is amazing. So museum. So everyone knows you know, the Museum of Fine Arts in Boston. Actually, the fifth largest museum in the United States. It gets about a million visitors a year. Um, a big, definitely a big draw, people coming up to Boston. And it has a lot. It has Cezanne's, it has El Greco, it has Paul Gauguin, it has Monet's, Rembrandt, Sargent's. So, again, for clients who want a museum experience, we do private tours of that museum. Um, 
if it's anyone who has any interest in art, I definitely think it's a must do. It's like coming to New York and doing the Met. And, you know, even if someone just wants to taste, it's definitely the kind of museum where you can see all sorts of different things. I mean, I just mentioned particular artists, but I mean, there's Chinese art, there's Egyptian art. So, and they actually have a fashion show now. I think it's called Gender Bender Fashion. So they got some really cool stuff going on over there. It's definitely worth, definitely worth going to. Um, I don't know how familiar people are with the Isabel Stewart um, Gardner Museum, but that's basically, you know, it takes you back to like a 15th century Venetian style palace. It also has a ton of great works of art. It has great gardens, um, really an amazing spot. We actually were just putting together a group itinerary for a special interest group itinerary for about 20 people. And they're focusing on gardens. And this is one of the places that they're going to go. Um, a lot of people know this place because of the theft that took place there in the 90s. Um, I think it was in 1990. Actually, 13 works of art were stolen. And I'm talking like Rembrandt and Degas. I mean, you know, stuff that's got to be worth millions of dollars. And it's actually never been found. So someone stole, you know, probably three, four, five hundred thousand dollars $500,000, millions worth of art, um, posing as police officers. And actually in the museum now is 13 empty frames kind of like showing this is where the art should be hoping it would come back one day. But it's a great story. The guides tell it along with, you know, with, with uh, when you go around the museum. But it's uh, just crazy that a museum had had that much art stolen at one time. Uh, and then this one in the middle here, there is the um, the Boston Tea Party Museum, which is not just for adults and kids. It's actually really interactive. I mean, sorry, it's not just for kids, it's for adults and children. Um, I went through it. I had a great time going through there. Uh, you get to reenact the, the Boston Tea Party. Um, you get to hear all the stories behind it. You are led through by someone who's in 18th century clothing, which is a lot of fun. And then, of course, they have like a whole tea area where you get to sit down and like taste different teas. They actually have pretty good food, too. But um, not far from the wharf. Actually, you know, it's probably like a, I don't know, like maybe like a 15-minute walk, I would say, around there. Definitely can include it or put it at the end of one of the tours that you're doing with Beyond Times Square. Um, and then how can I talk about Boston and not mention JFK? Um, the JFK Library has all his archives. It has all of his, um, uh, it goes through the different stages of his life and his presidency. It talks about uh, Jackie Kennedy Onassis, Jackie Kennedy. Um, you know, really gets in depth, but you know, that's, that's, that's New England. You can't, you can't talk about Massachusetts and not talk about the Kennedys. So definitely a good place to, to go. And there is another Kennedy building, which I didn't put up here. I'm just remembering it now. And I can't remember which Kennedy it's named after. Forgive me, but it's actually a mock Senate and a mock House of Representatives. And it's great for students and kids because they get to pretend there in Congress, you know, hopefully maybe a more uh, together Congress, but that's a whole different story. But yes, they, they get to go and go through the process of like bringing a bill to the floor and that kind of stuff. So, and then outside of Boston. So going outside of Boston, there's a lot going on. Of course, there's Nantucket and there's the Cape and there is Martha's Vineyard. Those are a trip in themselves. So those, those don't have to be done with Boston. You could do them separately um, out in the Cape. Chatham Bars Inn is just a great, great property. Uh, we actually just had a group there um, last season, um, you know, last summer season. 
So I definitely would, if clients are looking to do something beach-wise, if they want to do something beach-wise and also maybe do some sightseeing, I would stay more on the Cape and then maybe do day trips from the Cape and then also take the ferries out to like Nantucket and Martha's Vineyard. Um, if people just want to get like some beach and relax and, and just be in like a, you know, an environment where they're not going to go out and do a lot of touring, then you're definitely looking at more at like Nantucket and um, Nantucket and Martha's Vineyard. Um, there's ferries out there. They do have car ferries, but a lot of people go there without cars. Um, so I definitely suggest those islands. Um, of course, during the summer months is when they are the busiest. Um, that's when the ferries run the most. They do have ferries like in the fall and like the early spring, but definitely a something to think about. Um, we get a lot of international travelers who actually want to hit up the uh, uh, Martha's Vineyard in Tucket and Cape Cod. Uh, I got a little picture of Salem going on right here because, as we all know, Salem, the home of the, the witch trials. But Salem is actually a really cool little town, and you can actually take a boat from Boston up to Salem. So it's a good way to experience, you know, get you out on the water again because, you know, where where it's located. And uh, you can go up there with a guide and do that that way, or you can take the boat up and have a car and guide meet you when you get up there. But definitely a, a, a good day, good day trip to get out of Boston. Um, I'm happy to be in like the, I, I like the whole witch history and the cemetery thing. So I think it's pretty cool. And then there's a little picture right here, Plymouth Plantation, which people think constantly is for kids. And, and Plymouth Plantation has a mock-up, a, a, a fake, not fake, a, a reproduced, um, what it looked like when the pilgrims first, um, when, when they first built their houses in the actual Plymouth. And then they have costumed people that walk through that act like they live there. They never get out of character. They have then regular clothed interpreters who also will who will speak to you about what it was like to live there. And they're kind of more like on the research end. But when you go through the, the Plymouth plantation, these people do not come out of character. They, they stick in character the whole time. They act like they live there and they're doing the work and they are telling the stories and they really have to study to do these jobs. Plus there's also a native American portion where actual descendants of, of the native Americans from the area, they don't live there, but they actually are doing some of the, the traditional Native American um, building of, of a canoe. There is some traditional cooking, and they sit there, and they just talk to you about what they're doing. And it is incredibly interesting for adults and children. Um, that's also where they have the Mayflower, but right now the Mayflower is in Dry Dock, I believe in Mystic, and it's going to be back because it's the big anniversary of uh, – of, of Plymouth. So that's, that's a big thing that's coming up. And I didn't mention, it's also, I think, uh, JFK 100, which I forgot to mention. So Plymouth is definitely something to think about when you have clients who, who maybe want to do a bit more of the area. It's actually a day trip you could do from Cape Cod also. And Plymouth's a really cool town. Like it's a really cool town. Um, and then just things for spring that have come up. There's some, cool stuff like the lawn on D, which is, I think this is the sixth year for the lawn on D. And it's just basically like a, uh, a green space that's built um, in Boston. They have these huge, these huge swings that people can hang out on. They have all sorts of like outdoor games, like chess and bean bags and um, uh, checkers, like the giant ones, the ones that you would, uh, you know, you have to like carry and move around with your hands. Uh, but it's just all sorts of stuff going on. They have bocce and ping pong. So 
definitely, I think, a fun thing for the evening. Um, probably if you can go during the week, during the day, it's not going to be as crowded. Uh, and then there's another pop-up place called Happy Place, which which I assume is just one of the bars. But no, it's not one of the bars. It is a pop-up, which they've done in like L.A. and Toronto. But it's basically a pop-up that is supposed to make people happy. So it has like a giant room full of confetti. And then it has um, uh, larger than like rainbow. It has like all this crazy stuff going on. But it's fun to go through. I would say it's maybe a bit more on the millennial side. Um, and the kids, I'd say probably more on the millennial side, but definitely, you know, we can all, we can all be a kid again and have fun. Um, and yes, I do call millennials kids. Um, not that means I don't respect them. Um, and then finally is Boston Public Garden, oops, which was the first botanic garden in the United States. And if you guys are familiar with Boston Common, it's just right next to Boston Common, um, right by, it's not far from where the little cemetery is in Boston Common. And it is just an amazing, um, it's just an amazing public space. You know, like people, I mean, like I like to go walk through a park in any city I go to, but this is walking through an actual botanic garden that's right in the city. And also this is where they have the swan boats where it's like, I think they put like 10, 12 people on the swan boat and there is a driver, but it's backed by a little, there's a little, you know, wooden, there's like a wooden back that's a swan and kids really like that. But definitely um, something to check out would be the Boston Public Garden. Uh, when you have clients going through that area. So um, that is going to really wrap up our our presentation for today. Um, you know how to reach us. Uh, there's all of our email addresses. Danielle heads up group. Lisa and Lydia handle the FITs. And then um, if you send something over to me, I will be sure to make sure it gets to my uh, one of my people. And uh, have a great Passover, Easter, or just a weekend, whatever you're celebrating. And thanks so much for attending. Eric, thank you very much. It was a terrific webinar, and as you said, we'll make sure that we get all the information out to you next week, and we've collected all your questions. We'll get those answered next week as well. So uh, with that, we will say good day and conclude the webinar. Goodbye, everybody. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Thank you. Bye.